Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome aboard. A happy Friday to you. Glad to have you with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. So much to get to. In about 20 minutes, we're going to be talking about an event that you had no idea that was going on right now, but you need to know about it. That comes up in 20. Check out the latest lines for the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trust to name in online sports betting. Must be 21. Must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. But Mike, as we are on this Friday, Friday and on Monday, many eyes of this country will be on Los Angeles because of Super Bowl 56. I know Fox Sports Radio will be broadcasting live throughout the week from downtown L.A., as will many radio stations and radio shows from across the country. And I figured that what happens during these Super Bowl weeks is there is a topic of conversation that comes up that kind of overshadows the game, right? Like, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. an injury. It's a bigger picture thing. And I think we got that this week with the Brian Floyd. Flores lawsuit against the NFL. Not only is it a topic that we have talked about this week and are going to talk about in a matter of minutes, but I also think it's a topic that will continue to go on throughout the NFL conversation as we get ahead, a look ahead to Super Bowl week next week. Yeah, I mean, look, at first it looked it was going to be the, all right, what are your great, greatest memories of Tom Brady? How much do you like Los Angeles? Have you seen any stars? All the usual pitch product. Boom. Uh, and give me a game prediction. Now you add this to just the operations of the NFL on an entirely other level, right? We still have several head coaching jobs that need to be filled. That part of the what we'd always called the silly season now has the nefarious side, the allegations uh, and legal proceedings at least a 58 page I don't know how much you got into it a little bit repetitive in spots I didn't think they needed to beat me over the head with a couple of the the things like they could have saved paper uh, Dan, to be honest with you, and, yeah. and, and I, I don't mean to be glib about it, but it's like, well, all right, you, you did that on page five. Why am I reading it again on page 20? There, are also, the there are also words that I don't know what the meanings are, you know, because there's such legalese and legal sure. terms that it's just it's a very, very easy way to allow me to tune out. Yeah. Fortunately, I watch a lot of Law and Order. Oh, you that'll know, help. Yeah. You know, that, that helps a little bit. And I, sure. I know I, I know a little bit to be dangerous, but I guess the, the point being you know, we we identify a problem right we all recognize uh there's there's an issue and look you got 32 businesses under one on blanket blanket business so now you're trying to figure out how do you reconcile that and, and if is there any other remedies and i think that's i guess for a super bowl week a positive that a story has legs like this to where you got a lot of idea people and a lot of influential people in the room together to kind of get that groundswell. But in the end, you know, it's still just the opening salvos with denials and anger and vitriol uh, in the midst of trying to celebrate the game as a whole. So that dichotomy does exist. Now, throughout this week, you know, Doug has is, is talked about this Brian Flores situation quite a bit. And Doug's pointed out a variety of times that the, the things that he feels that Brian Flores is pointing to in his lawsuit don't necessarily show that there are racist hiring practices in the NFL. 
Now, now I disagreed in some of Doug's takes, and we went back and forth in, in some of these topics, but I think that there is a bigger issue at hand, and one of the bigger issues is, Mike, is you know you can always use the excuse of, well, this was their guy. This was their guy that they, they pointed to and they, they focused in on right from the get-go because they felt he was the best fit. And that's kind of actually part of the problem is you don't then open your eyes and you don't open your ears to possible other possibilities that could be your fit, that could be your guy. Sometimes you know the guy. You know, Joe Shane in Buffalo is obviously familiar with Brian Dable, but he's also familiar with Leslie Frazier, who was the defensive coordinator. So there are things that, that while it may seem on the surface, that are perfectly explainable really aren't. However, I say all of that with this, is I think the Jacksonville Jaguars hire of Doug Peterson is the perfectly explainable scenario. I thought it was going to be a fairy tale sort of thing with Byron Leftwich coming home. And there are very few guys that you can look at and say, you know what? That's a Jaguar. You know, Tony Baselli's one of them. Uh, m- maybe put Mark Brunel in that category. And Byron Leftwich only spent four years in Jacksonville as their first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But still, Mike, it made sense for him to go there. So then all of a sudden there's a f- bit of a falling out because he doesn't want Trent Balky as his GM. And he ends up withdrawing his name from consideration uh, at some point yesterday. So now the Jaguars seemingly settle for Doug Peterson when in reality, Mike, I think that's the best hire that you could have gotten if you were the Jacksonville Jaguars, white or black, when it came to this hiring cycle in the NFL. Yeah, I think the fact that we've gone the couple of weeks, right, with his name mentioned a little bit, but more in the why isn't he up for job X rather than, all right, he's one of the front runners here, here, or here. Right? Why? Why didn't we have more of Doug Peterson? Wins a Super Bowl with Wentz and Foles, and we all know the narratives that have unfolded with both those quarterbacks these last several years, particularly Wentz, uh, his exit from Philly, and then what happened down the stretch here. And now he goes to the Jaguars. One of the only times that Trevor Lawrence played like a guy who might become that number one pick and generational guy. I say that with my tongue in cheek because that's always my favorite on these things. Because most of the time we say this guy's going to be a generational guy. Guess what, Dan? He's not. Yes. Uh, but but here you have a guy with pedigree, a guy who's worked through left, which was was interesting in a number of ways, right? Because you know you heard all the whispers in Tampa about his way with the, the players and, and how he was chief um, uh, chiefly going around making sure, all right, everybody, what, what are your incentives? What do you got left? All of those things, trying to make sure folks got their money, uh, which I think is a big deal, right? That's going to endear you to the players and a locker room. You're not that far removed from playing and, and relatability as we, we talk about all the time. Uh, so it looked right, but you know, now you want to unfold it, you know, peel back that whole part of the process of why it was in limbo. I suggested all along is like, do you think uh, Bruce Arian suddenly decides to raise one last vodka and leave? You know, and we well, talked about it with Jay Glazer, who's his buddy, and he's like, well, he plans to, to die on the sidelines, you know, to kind of put it together. I'm like, but with all the upheaval and what that roster is going to be, Dan, who's to say there's not still a move there? But in the interim, you're trying to get, as a first-time head coach, that much sway and that much juice of how the organization, and I want to pick my guys and bring in Adrian Wilson. I, I like it. 
but I, I don't know how that flies, and I'd love to hear more of what those conversations were like, particularly with reports that Balky was in the room for some of them. Well, there, there's also there's also a connection with Rick Spielman and Doug Peterson, and that's the you know the the word that we're hearing that Rick Spielman would maybe go to Jacksonville, take a position over that would be higher than Trent Balky's, and if Balky stayed in the uh, in the organization i gotta call him bulky though because if i call him yeah. bulky i'm thinking of perfect strangers, perfect strangers. So I've gotta, now we're gonna I've gotta get the double a, a down larry. yeah yeah looking for a guy named larry yeah. on the staff to help with them i get it who's gonna be the new head coach in mepos that's my question no the the but the the trent bulky situation is is one that did loom over but when you have an adrian wilson that wanted to be a package deal with byron Leftwich, i do think it makes it a little bit more difficult than for something to be arranged Mike because not only are you trying to fit with one person you're trying to fit it with two and maybe Adrian Wilson's vision of what he wanted with the Jaguars or his plan was not what Shad Khan wanted and so I think that that scenario there is perfectly explainable of why the Jacksonville Jaguars needed something different from Urban Meyer and and, and Urban Meyer was thought to like the the splash of what Urban Meyer's hire was a year ago was was much more than even what was going to happen on the football field, Mike. And it was about what the Jaguars were going to be able to do, how the community was going to rally around the Jaguars, and what Urban Meyer was going to mean to not only that team, but that community. And less than a year later, that's all gone. So you know what you do? You try to figure out a guy that's going to save your franchise generational quarterback, as you talked about, and make a winner. And there was no one out there, even of the guys who have been hired, that were available in this coaching cycle that had more qualifications or better qualifications than Doug Peterson had. And that's why, in my mind, with all of the Flores stuff coming in, I saw the tweets last night, what do you know, another white head coach, I know there's a problem. We all know that there's a problem, but it shouldn't be penalized or the Jacksonville Jaguars shouldn't be penalized for likely landing the top candidate that was available in this coaching cycle. Well, and that's it. I We were on air as it broke, and, and like I said, we talked with Jay Glazer through some of this. Uh, you can find the podcast up uh, wherever you get your audio. But to, to kind of go through it, you know, people immediately started bringing in Biennemi and Caldwell and some of the others. Like, doesn't say they're, they're not great candidates. There, there's also this guy's won a Super Bowl. This guy's developed quarterback. He was in Kansas City. Then he goes to Philly, and, and you saw what he was able to do with those squads. That's a, that's a quality resume. This isn't a guy that went from being a position coach to a head coach, mm-hmm. right? When, when those situations happen, fine, let's talk about it. And, you know, Peterson or, or even going back to Brian Dable, not to re-litigate re, uh, stuff from earlier in the week, he just – completed a transformation with Josh Allen when many on our network, okay, not many, a few, uh, and across networks, thought Josh Allen was nothing more than a, a guy that was a running back who could occasionally fling the ball a country mile, right? And all of a sudden now it's, is he one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? Let's take calls or sure. poll questions or whatever else. It's like, so him getting hired when the Giants are still trying to figure out what they have in Daniel Jones, is that that big a stretch? Right. I mean, like, I, I don't I don't I, understand. You know, I, I, I get the, the background of all of this and tr- making sure everybody's doing things as they're supposed to and keeping an open mind. But in terms of fits and formats and whatever, it, it's like the, some of these are, are pretty natural fits, no matter how, how you want to spin. Them. I, I think but I think that the, the spin would be, well, if you've seen what Brian Dable can do with Josh Allen, what about what 
Eric Bieniemy has been able to do with sure. Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's that's where the rub is. And that's why I think Peterson is so different because of Peterson's pedigree of of what he has done as a head coach. Like I, I like if you want if you want to lay blame at what the Bears did with Eberflus or what the Broncos did with Nathaniel Hackett or even what the Giants did with Dable, I think you can make an argument with that. But I don't think you can make an argument with what the Jaguars did and what was needed for that organization. I mean, if Byron Leftwich didn't play for that organization, Mike, and wasn't a first-round pick, I'm not sure on how much that would have fit there. I think that that connection was a big reason why, like he, because it got so bad this past season with Jacksonville in what was thought to be a promising season. So you really need someone with a resume in there. And his turning around of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and making them the play that they were I think you know shows a lot I just don't I don't put the Peterson higher on par with what the Bears Broncos or Giants did just because as you mentioned you could you could put the enemy in those scenarios I just think Peterson's resume superseded all of this well and he goes to a perfect spot giant pile of cash number one pick and a yeah. in theory uh, a couple of skill position guys that come back so you, you've got a, a chance to remake this organization assuming you can play nice sandbox with your GM uh, <laughs> Uh, and make that work, and ShotCon uh, gets out of the way <laughs> and lets football people do football things uh, and isn't, you know, just uh, inspired based on some glowing television uh, reports, etc. Mike, I didn't know that you could type in size four font because that's what Shad Khan had to do today to release a statement to convince people or to show people why Doug Peterson ended up being their head coach. That's where we are. And and maybe that's I, – I, I don't know if that's if that was good of Shad Khan or bad of Shad Khan to do it. I do like more transparency whenever possible, but I just felt like Shad Khan was having to over-explain when I think of all the hires that have been made in this hiring cycle this one needed the least amount of explaining well putting them in in giant uh press releases i mean that's not good i heard joy talking about you know the giants rebuttal uh, of everything related to the flora situation it's like brevity is the soul of wit you'll have plenty of time if you want to go on the the long diatribes hell go back to tom brady's goodbye note everybody was mad that there wasn't a seventh instagram page <laughs> to talk about the patriots and and their fans right like keep it short simple you have you'll have press conferences you'll have plenty of press availabilities to plead your case just give the three lines saying we're happy to have him here Brady's wasn't short, though. I kept on sliding, and there was more <laughs> and more and more. He by thanked way, me on page nine, by the way. I, wanna, I, I just want to <laughs> say this, and this is the final thought on, on Doug Peterson's hiring. If you think that I'm a honk for Doug Peterson and, and, and I'm just supporting whatever he's done, we had Doug Peterson on a show after they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots because he was pubbing his book, mm-hmm. and he did not. We were given instructions to not talk about the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles quarterback. Like, why? What else? I don't care about your book. You yeah, know, no, like, the, I, book, I, the I, book doesn't matter. How much yeah. in your book do you address yeah, the Carson I mean, Wentz? And Nick we Foles. wanted to know who's going to start. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, maybe come on and tell ten minutes of Brett Favre stories. That's what we could have done, but uh, no. yeah, that was a weird one. What, what was it like being playing in Green Bay as a backup nobody cares okay (laughs) we want to know now he's mike harvin i'm dan byer this is the doug gottlieb show here on fox sports radio as we are sitting in for doug today find mike on twitter at swollen dome you can find me on twitter at dan byer on fox why don't we give a crap about the winter olympics 
That's next year on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Mike Carmen. as we are sitting in for Doug today, Ralph Fox Sports Radio. For the next two weeks, it's a, a big, big time because it's the Winter Olympics. And for the next three hours, we have our own correspondent to give us the latest of what is happening in Beijing. We present to you our Olympic correspondent who will keep us up to date on the medal count as it goes on. A live update of the medal count. He is the one and only John Ramos. Dan and Mike, it's so it's early in the morning in Beijing, four twenty-five a.m. All right, what's the medal count? Brisk morning, it is zero right now. No medals <laughs> hey, hey. have been given out, but I can't tell you this: the ice is sleek and it's ready to go as the day goes on. Sweet, you were able to get over the hedges and everything they've put around the the tracks and everything to see John this early this morning. I was, and it, I'm here for you. I am your conduit. Well done. I, if, I, that's actually him blowing the horn, Dan. That's a whole other thing. When you hear those horns, John Ramos will be providing you with an Olympic update. The only thing that I ask of you is to actually care about the Winter Olympics. And, and Mike, in most years, I hear people say, I, I like the Summer Olympics, but I don't care about the Winter Olympics. This time around, I think it's even less of people not caring about the Winter Olympics. Now, I grew up in a winter state. You grew up in a winter state. And... Snow is a part of our lives, and it's not that I I was drawn to the Olympics because you live in a place where there's snow, but I do think that you maybe have more of an affinity for some of the events that are going on. However, this time, I I, I just... I. I mentioned it in a meeting this week, and people looked at me like I was from Mars. And I just – I don't understand on how an Olympic Games has fallen so much from the radar of us, specifically at least here in the United States. It doesn't seem like anybody cares about what's going on in Beijing. Yeah, I think a couple things to it. And obviously everybody had fun with the early mixed curling and whatever else was going yeah, on. Curling gets got us it on right now. At yeah. least a little bit as, as we go. I was watching a little bit of the news and 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 rolling through. But yeah, I'll, I'll join you in in watching some curling uh as we flow. But I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going down. One, you've got the NFL and we're, we've got so many myriad storylines. Thank you everybody on Twitter to tell me I'm a jerk uh already at Swollen Dome. I appreciate you. Uh keep it coming. Uh, is the you know the NFL all of these storylines? We're still waiting on the Super Bowl. We haven't even started Super Bowl talk. Uh, Tom Brady retires. Everything else. So energy is still very deep in the in that world, right? We had all college All Star games. Did anybody really pause? No. You know, as you get ready for the Senior Bowl, that doesn't seem to have the same juice uh, that it's had in years past. Do we know the athletes of these games? You know, where it's, all right, obviously here's a bunch of people where, you know, another medal puts them into legend status, right? We used to have all these figure skaters. We knew all the names. We don't. I mean, Sean White's yeah. still, still doing some of the you know, X Games kind of stuff, so we don't have that juice of the individual stars breaking through either. I thought that had, took a bit of a hit this past summer as well with the summer games. 
not only the delay, but there was no Michael Phelps that you were, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, in, in, there was no Usain Bolt when it came to the track and field. Sure, there was Katie Ledecky and, and other American athletes, but that star power was lost. But I, I would even argue, Mike, that the the Sean Whites of the world, as you mentioned, like this is a last hurrah for him. Chloe Kim made a name for herself in 2018. She's competing again. There probably hasn't been as much hype. Uh, Michaela Schifrin, a skier, uh, American skier, and we're not like that would be that would be somebody that NBC would hype up. But we're just we're not locked in. I I, I think that your football point is a key point because we used to look at the Olympics as you know this world event. But I just wonder on how much America's interest into a winter games could alter maybe the Winter Olympics being like, all right, maybe we just need to move these mid-February to the end of February if a Super Bowl is going to conflict with it. This, I, I just, the only reason I say this is because I do believe that the United States plays a big, big part in how things are run with the IOC. And if you have one of your countries that is not locked in, to an event that is an issue now i I don't know how it's going to work with the world cup in november i think it'll actually be be okay in 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 our interest maybe not as much as it would be in the summertime we've had summer olympics in september before 22 years ago and in sydney they were in the summer but i i think that this is enough if you know with the super bowl the nfl pushing the season back that if it just really really tanks like the the u.s olympic committee may want to push some of their you know weights towards the IOC and maybe making a move with this because this is going to be completely lost in the first week of of these events. Yeah, I mean, it, once we start seeing the medals start to flow, and we'll have Todd Furman on the show from Vegas later, in addition to some fun Super Bowl props early on and all of that, you know, medal counts and, and all of those start getting some action. But, I mean, you also have just where it's being held in Beijing and, and a lot of diplomatic and governmental back and forth. Sure. Right? The U.S. government's not there. Uh, Canada, Great Britain, Australia. Uh, and Mike Tirico actually addressed that front out in center in, in part of NBC's coverage, which I'm sure did not uh, really make anybody feel good on the investment and and, and everything at NBC. I'm sure they got a, a bit clenched uh, when that becomes one of the starting parts about it, right? And using the term genocide uh, related to the Muslim population, all of that. You know, so you've got that as a backdrop as well. And it seems like we just had the Olympics. I think might also be so like there's sure, another Olympics I, game coming and, and people have been at home for two years in a lot of cases so it just bleeds in some cases one into the next so if you're not a devoted excited Olympics fan maybe maybe you don't just jump in right the casual casual folks maybe they get excited tonight with the opening ceremonies maybe that's the jump off point but I don't I think that shirtless tongue and guy isn't going to be part of it so I think that's going to take some of the luster away as well. The emergence of curling as a popular sport is is something that I just I, I don't know how to really explain. You could try to explain it and it can look like, you know, because it's the everyday yeah. person. And it looks, have you ever been? Yeah, I, I, well, I've, I've never been to an Olympics, but I have tried to curl. Oh, yeah, and that's it, what I meant, the yeah, curl, yes. curling, because yeah, we do have a curling club in Southern California. I think we should all go uh, rent it out. Uh, and and show off our Olympic. It's tough enough wears. to stand because you kind of wear the slipper that lets you slide, and yeah. if you f- aren't used to it, you will fall on your butt because you forgot on what sh- you know, like what 
shoe that is on. That was my biggest problem. Was I I would never remember on which uh, which foot I had this. You know, it's like a Teflon sort of that allows you to to slide, and I would just end up falling on my on my backside. But to, see, to that, see, but then you get to lay up a couple of days watching some you know King well, of Queens marathon. Yeah, true, and honestly, the the precision of these rocks. Like I I I you know threw a, threw a rock and it went. It, it wasn't even close to the target. Went way past where it needed to go, and that's like how much touch you need. I don't know how much that translates in TV. I, I get if you're from Southern California, downhill skiing is it maybe your thing or cross country skiing, even though we have mountains out here living in Florida. I get all that. But like to see somebody on a sled go ninety miles per hour like they do in the luge, like to me that is that that is amazing. Like that is mm-hmm. that is stuff like you you, you want to talk about, you know, the possibility of accidents. If some people will watch for stuff, not that you're watching well, for you it. Well, you talk about it real. for NASCAR all the yeah, time. Let's yeah. be honest about it. Like, or think hockey about it. fights or whatever else. Yeah, you're, you're three inches from the ice going head first down, a, you know, down an ice slope at 90 miles per hour. Like, how is that not awesome? Those are just some of the things that I don't get why they don't connect with people. But I, I've always liked the Winter Olympics, but I, even for me this time around, it hasn't been as exciting or been locked in because of, of the NFL and what we've been following or anticipating and i think uh i think that there may have to be some changes uh in the time of day or the time of the calendar if it really does want to succeed at least here in the states so jim harbaugh thank you very much uh, ralph did try to uh did interview for the minnesota vikings gig uh spoke with them and by some of the accounts went into that meeting feeling that the job was his and it ended a ended up not being his job I, th- I think that this tells us something about Jim Harbaugh's frame of mind Mike where Jim Harbaugh went and took the interview because he thought he could get it and I actually don't think that that is better for the University of Michigan because it tells me that Jim Harbaugh wanted out it wasn't where Jim Harbaugh was testing the waters of various NFL teams and just dipping his toe in to see if there was a scenario that was better than what he had in Ann Arbor, is he went to Minneapolis to meet with the Vikings under the assumption that it was going to be his job, which would, I mean, if, you know, if you're with your, you know, significant other and you go, I want to go and just see if I can maybe hook up with this person and they're not into it. And then you go back and be like, I just wanted to check it out like that. Like the deed has already been done. And so Jim Harbaugh wanting out of of Michigan to go to the Vikings and ultimately not getting the job is just such a bad, bad look for Jim Harbaugh. And if I'm a Michigan person, uh, I, I am not too happy that that lure and the, the, the shine of beating Ohio State and having the success that they did and making the college football playoff, to me, erased very quickly with Jim Harbaugh wanting to leave camp as soon as that school had any little bit of success. Yeah, it's a curious thing, right? Telling the free press, hey, it's a one-time thing. It will not become an issue each and every year. And obviously, we, we made the connections early in the week. Quezzi Adolfo Mensa, the new GM, uh, and their ties going back to uh, the new GM's days in San Francisco when Harbaugh was there before going to Cleveland and now getting this job. It's almost like when you're getting ready to graduate college and you get a family friend to give you kind of a warm-up interview. You're not going to get a job, but it, it gives you some sure. of the interviewing skills. Yeah. That's kind of what Jim Harbaugh got out of this. His buddy gave him a courtesy interview of nine hours, and Harbaugh thought the whole time he was getting a job. 
Right. That was not the case. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's all it sounds like. And now they pivot. And obviously, Kevin O'Connell, uh, the miraculous rise from Fox Sports Radio intern to head coach just like that. I mean, look how quick that is. Obviously, that's an inside joke for folks. But okay. I was like, wait a sec. What did I miss? I forgot. No, I'm going to keep a, making it until I'm blue. Uh, we had a different Kevin. We had a different Correct. Kevin here. The, exactly. You, there, there's a, there's another issue though though with Harbaugh and why like him saying like this is a one time deal this will never happen again. First of all, and I remember us having this conversation, and I remember I remember me and John Ramos even being like, "What?" It was when Stephen Ross said that he wasn't going to be the one to take Jim Harbaugh away from the University of Michigan. But Stephen Ross is going to let the Minnesota Vikings do that? Like for, well, like no, they, as, to, soon, as soon as the Vikings opened up, it's like, all right, I got my in. I can go get him now because he, I can't let him go to Minnesota. Sure, and, and, and you wonder if you know the Dolphins' job is still open and Mike McDaniel, the 49ers, speaking with them today, Kellen Moore getting a second interview, like they're still looking for a head coach. You do wonder if, uh, if this Flores stuff doesn't pop up, if Jim Harbaugh is considering that. But Jim Harbaugh may be right in the fact that he this is is a one-time this was a one-time deal and the only reason I think that it is Mike is I just wonder and I know this is going to sound sound weird but I just wonder if the NFL has passed him by I mean he's gonna he's 58 years old the the trend in the National Football League is to find guys who are young who apparently worked with Sean McVay at some point and hire them and bring them in. Like that is that is the trend. I just don't know how many how many organizations and how many teams without that personal connection will be sitting there saying we want 60-year-old Jim Harbaugh cuz that's what he would end up being if he ended up getting a job next season. He just turned 58 in December, but of having a 60-year-old Jim Harbaugh come in and run your organization. It almost reminds me a little bit of like when Bill Cowher stepped aside, and we always thought Bill Cowher would be back in the NFL at some point. It never did, just ended up staying on CBS and with, with TV like that. And then at some point you realize, okay, well, nobody's looking at Bill Cowher anymore as the guy that's going to take over their franchise because it's just that's not where the NFL has gone. And I just don't think that's where the NFL is, is gone either. And I, with the, the lack of success of, of Urban Meyer, and I know Jim Harbaugh had success in going to the Super Bowl with mm-hmm. the 49ers in the NFL, but I also think it's a different game than it was 10 years ago. I think he can sit there and say, to Ralph's point, he'll be at Michigan forever, because I just don't know if there's going to be any jobs for him in the NFL anymore. And that's why I actually think he went to Minnesota, because he knows that maybe his opportunities in the window of him to go different places, not as big as it could have been five years ago. Yeah, and I think the big, you know, the other is we, we parse words, right? We want to go through and, and see how carefully chosen these are because from retirement announcements and discussions of that ilk and and some of the other pieces that we're, we're talking about, the legalese, right? Uh, the, one, the words you and I can understand uh, without the legal dictionary next to us. Uh, you always... You always want to see what what the end game is, and Jim Harbaugh saying he's not going to chase. Okay, so maybe he's not the guy. He's saying I and my agent, we will not make those calls. But if someone wants to, you know, my Reach out. out there, if you know, yeah. you know where to find me. I mean, I mean, I'm going to be at Michigan doing my thing, and if you should happen to want to cast your eye my way, hey, you know, perhaps we get a chance to talk once again. With the with the openings and their success, like the 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 one the two places that he could have gone again, we think maybe Miami and Minnesota because he had connections. The other places, there aren't connections, so they're not interested in 
bringing him in because he's Jim Harbaugh. They don't they don't want anything to do with him because they, they don't know him. So that tells me that his his opportunities to go places are now limited because he just has to go places where he worked with someone previously. And I understand that that's not foreign to all of the jobs in the NFL, but what it tells me of this brand name that you thought that could go and maybe pick any of the 32 teams that he wanted at one point or 31 taking out New England and maybe taking out Pittsburgh, but really have his pick of the litter, Mike, of wherever he wanted to coach, then not only is that window not big enough, it's a lot more narrow than it is. And then on top of that, to have the little amount of success that Michigan has had, because really that is that is the, the case of where that program needs to be. They finally beat Ohio State, and they finally made it to the college football playoff by winning the Big Ten title game, and he wanted to cash in his chips right there. That's not a good sign for Michigan. And maybe time heals all wounds. But to sit there and think that he's a Michigan man and he wants back in, I think is far, far from the reality that they're dealing with in Ann Arbor. Well, sometimes you recognize this could be as good as it gets, right? Talking about the top picks that they're going to have and knowing that Ohio State, all they do is reload uh, and get ready for the next round. And, you know, I've argued all along, Michigan fans and alums and people in the building need to recognize who you are versus who you aspire to be. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox as we are sitting in for Doug today. Coming up next, oh, Doug has left his crystal ball available to us. We'll put it to use next here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb today. Happy Friday to you. John Ramos is our Olympic correspondent, giving us the latest of what is happening in Beijing. You'll want to keep tuned when you hear the horns. You know, John has got something for us. And when you hear this, you know, we've got a game. This is game time. It's game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Game time is brought to you by Hustler Turf. The brand lawn care professionals have the brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero turn lawnmowers to run their business. And for us weekend Joe's Hustler Turf also has a full lineup of residential mowers. Visit hustlerturf.com to find a dealer near you. Hustlerturf.com. Ralph Irvin is here. What's happening, Ralph? Aloha, gentlemen. The game Aloha. today is uh what do you got well i'm 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 seeing a vision and today's game is psychic yes it is all That's, right I mike right. and i get to look in doug's crystal ball see what's uh what's ahead for us and we have the two of you so we'll go alphabetically daniel be psychic one and mike will be psychic <laughs> right. two. psychic yes that is right and and we start with psychic one as we head into this weekend's all-star bacchanalia feast in las vegas Yes, we have the NHL All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl. Which of these two events will have more of a social media buzz regarding their events? I know this for a fact. It will be the NFL Pro Bowl, and it will not be a good buzz. There will be there will be comments on how bad the game is, on the lack of ta- uh, tackling. That is what is going to happen because that, to me, has become the yearly tradition that we have in the NFL. It will be the NFL Pro Bowl. Only if we crush the f- 13 and a half or 14 goal uh, total in the NHL All-Star game. Will anybody get excited? No. Are you kidding me? It's the the NFL Pro Bowl. Uh, there's so many myriad storylines. And look, that guy's talking to him. Is he trying to get him to leave his team? Let's go! 
More than the fountain face-off at the Bellagio Fountains in the Skills Competition, huh? Yeah, sorry, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And the new rules that they're trying to, the, uh, the you, you pick the spot, we get to choose the, uh, the placement of the football, all that stuff. Yeah, that'll be the topic of the convo. Well, Shooting pucks at people out of Cirque du Soleil, I get it. But that, no. that said, you guys are fantasy gurus, so therefore we will go into a form of fantasy. Who's going to get more snaps, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, or Kyler Murray for the NFC? Mm. That's for Psychic 2. Russell, Kirk, or Kyler? Uh, why, don't, why don't we showcase Kirk Cousins every chance we can and make him do the dirty work? Yeah, I actually, I, I agree with that. Well, because the other two are banged up throughout the yes. years. Like, Kyler Murray just needs a break. The last thing that he needs to do is run around some more. He just needs to, he just needs to get away and rest. Surprised he best. didn't opt out. But, you know, hey, take the Pro Bowl uh, experience. In the AFC, it's Mac Jones, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, psychic number one. Uh, Herbert. Herbert gets the most snaps. He'll start snaps. He'll start. But also, just because I don't think you'll want to put Mahomes too much in harm's way. Plus, he could throw a crazy pass and be done with it. And really, how much should Mac Jones be playing in the Pro Bowl? Let's be honest. How dare you? I think Herbert Herbert is the uh, snap winner of the AFC. It's the way to get him over, right? We're always trying to build new stars. And eight or nine million people are going to watch this no matter how much people complain about it. So, yeah, this is – hey, did we tell you how special Justin Herbert is? Look, Mac Jones got his uh, spotlight all year long, not to mention the skills competition when he kept going for the downs and missing. You know know what? what, This is what I miss about the Pro Bowl. I'm sorry I'm going to take up the rest of your time in psychic here, Ralph. There was a time where the Pro Bowl was so important that they didn't allow players to wear their normal numbers if it doubled up with another Pro Bowler. Like there, there's like Warren Moon had to wear number two because somebody else wore number one. Like that's that's how important they took it. Now they don't care. Everybody could just wear the same number and you know <laughs> holding on yep. number thirty four. Note to self: When Warren Moon comes through for interviews next week, ask him if that made him mad that he didn't get to keep his number. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you very much, Ralph Irvin, for the uh, the game time psychic. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show. How much has luck played a part in one run to the Super Bowl? We'll discuss next. <laughs> 